0: Hey, welcome to the Local CMY Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. and this week's episode, my guest is Andres Langston from the Baking Steel Company. And I can't think of a more important conversation than I've had in the last year. The conversation I had with Andres, it just, it really helped me shift the way that I operate from constantly kind of feeling down about having to like grind and trying to hustle and you're not working enough to really put things into perspective about, A successful business owner also has times of rest and self-reflection, and it's just such a great conversation, and I hope everyone enjoys it. I know you will, and I really hope that any other small business owners, restaurant owners, business leaders that are listening to this podcast today, that you get something from it. If you do, then go over, maybe buy a Baking Steel, but without a doubt, go over on social media, follow the Baking Steel Company, and... That's pretty much it. Just go show them some love and some some support without further ado. here's my conversation with andres Langston
1: i you know it's interesting times right now because th- and this is now two thousand twenty
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I worked, you know, I grew up in, um, you know, my high school days and things. I grew up in the culinary world. I loved working in restaurants. And so I took that leap and went to college and studied culinary arts and restaurant management. Just loved the business. Um, so I wanted to learn as much as I could about it. And then, I, you know, I worked in restaurants all over, all over. I worked in Europe a little bit. I worked okay. in, um, you know, California, down in Maryland, and I ended up, my final culinary, my last culinary adventure was with a guy named Todd English in Boston, hmm. at, um, originally hired at Figs. And I was hired literally just slinging pizzas with him. Hmm. I just wanted to get my foot in the door. So I'm like, this is perfect. Um, and so I did that. And, I just, and, I re- and he, he was just really passionate foodie, and he still is. And he's amazing in mm-hmm. the kitchen. Um, so I learned so much from Todd, and I fell in love with pizza. I already love pizza. Let's make sure that's, <laughs> that's a point that I make. But um, I just fell in love with the process of making it and how he put these, these things together. And the other thing was how he could just fill up a restaurant or his food could fill up a restaurant literally you know, 365 days. Wow. It was a small, you know, I want to call it like a 50-seater with maybe 10 seats of the bar. And mm-hmm. uh, slinging pizzas there was just awesome. I loved it because it was open kitchen. Um, yeah, whatever. And that was just a really just an incredible experience. Uh, and so I, but I ultimately ended up on its management team in um, at Olives, which is his other uh, sister restaurant, his main restaurant actually. Um, and I was at the time just doing. I was really involved in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved. I loved, um, you know, the accounting of a restaurant too, and food costs and things like that. And, um, we were at the time and at the starting point of kind of launching these figs restaurants, you know, several locations. And I remember doing the business plans even vividly to this day, how, um, you know, you can do a, a perfect plan on obviously on paper about a restaurant and that the numbers are just so tight, um and even for pizza, but probably one of the most profitable items you could sell in a restaurant. Yeah. But I just remember looking at it like, gosh, it was just a, it was such a, a grind for me. And I just, I just saw my future. I'm like, God, I'm not taught English in a kitchen. Am I going to be able to, you know, fill up my place on a a million dollar, you know, business. So I needed a, I needed a break. And so I left, I went, I also grew up in, um, my dad's an entrepreneur, so I grew up in the steel industry, and um, I grew up my you know my entire life from the time I was 12 to the time I was you know 18 working with my dad's business in steel. Hmm. And he had this great product that he made, and he made for, for Caterpillar and John Deere. Um, it was like hardcore work. I mean, I grew up in that, so hmm. welding and you know doing whatever it took to kind of, I loved it, getting my hands dirty, going out there in a the plant. And, <laughs> um, but I never thought like that would be my career. Mm-hmm. And so I, I left and um, went to do my culinary thing. So I left and went to, you know, did my thing for 10 years in different parts of my career. So I yeah. loved it, but I, um, but then when I left figs, I was like, ah, oh, man, I need a break from the restaurant business. And so I decided, to, um, leave and went to work back with my dad. But I brought Hmm. some, you know, I thought some experience, some world experience, um, in business. And so I thought it'd be cool. So I went, my brother was there already and I knew the business pretty intimately and I thought I could help grow his brand and his business. Hmm. So I've been doing that for 15 years. Um, ironically, here we are and I was, you know in 2008 and 2009 and what i liked about his business there was a lot of pluses Mm -hmm. trying to grow it etc but what i what i didn't like i didn't love working with um i love the businesses but i didn't love working with you know my dad essentially had these great products he had patented etc he sold to caterpillar Mm. and john deere um but really they controlled what we did you know even though so I didn't love that aspect of it. Yeah, um, from a marketing brand, etc. We basically essentially worked for Caterpillar. So I didn't love that. Um, and then in 2009, I remember the, the last recession. Yeah. Um, we got clobbered like everybody else.
0: Were you? And so when that happened, you were with your dad at the steel. I team. was with my dad at the okay. plant at that
1: time. And you know, if you who would have said that you would, you know, your business would be sliced in half. <laughs> without losing a customer, maybe even more than that, like 60%, 70% of your revenues wow. just gone. Uh, so you go from like an $8 million business to, you know, a $3 million business overnight almost. Hmm. And it was painful. Um, and I just remember, in fact, I'd be driving home from work. Um, at the same time, Caterpillar, one of our main clients, would be, issuing all these quality statements to us and it's kind of really hammering us, like hitting us, kind of kicking us while we were down. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not only getting, you know, your, your sales kind of reduced, but they're clobbering you in the head with quality issues, which wow. were not existent a month prior. So anyway, it was a really stressful time. And I remember, just, and I had a young boy at the time, and my family, I was like, God, this is brutal. <laughs> Um, I'd be listening to Anthony Robbins on the way home from work. And I just, you know, from I just said to myself, I just, I couldn't, I can't stand this. I don't like this. I don't like this relying on somebody else to tell me how, how many things to make, etc. And it just really, really burned into my, like, soul, if yeah. you will. <clears throat> um, and that was everybody, by the way. That wasn't just me. It was, we were all going through this right. financial crisis, right? The housing bubble burst. And, uh, in any case, um, so I spent the next literally, you know, two or three years working, um, working and, but doing more yoga and doing more writing and kind of soul searching. And then, hmm. you know, and, and I always, I wanted to do something on my own again. I wanted, to, I didn't know what it was. I just wanted to do something else. So I just, I took it upon myself to just get super healthy and, um, Do things i hadn't done which would be a lot of writing in the mornings and i read this book called an Artist's way and just you know did a lot of brain dumping in the mornings and um two years later wouldn't you know it i I run across an article from modernist cuisine about steel and pizza Hmm. um i was like i remember vividly it was a friday night sitting at my office the wall street journal just reading it and i read this um about the launch of this beautiful book. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting and cool. And um, what a what a incredible background this guy, Nathan Meervold has a scientist and as a foodie and a former Microsoft executive, hmm. genius. And he loves food. And he talked about, you know, how do you make pizza at home? And he actually said to use steel as a shelf. And I was like, huh. are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, it totally, I was like, holy shit. And so... I literally ran out to my plant. I grabbed a piece of steel that we use for caterpillar parts. Hmm. I brought it home where I live and my wife and my son looked at me like, what are you doing with that piece of steel? I said, <laughs> we're going to make pizza this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So I I made, I made dough that weekend and I, we all struggle at home making good pizza. Mm. I always thought you needed a wood-fired oven, mm-hmm. 900 degrees, but little did I know that the piece of steel was all you really needed. Um, So I, I made a pizza in like six or seven minutes. I had a crispy crust. Um, First one out. Hmm. And I was like, holy shit. So (laughs) here we go again, though. This was 2011. Hmm. And I had this great idea and we all have ideas. I went back to my office and we were at this point, the business was now getting back to where it was. It was like two or three years later Mm -hmm. and we were too busy. My brother and father said, you know what? cool, but, you know, we can't make that here. Hmm. Um, go back to your office. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally sat on this thing for a year, over a year before I did anything with it. Wow. Um, because I was, you call it whatever. But then, you know, I just I, I just kept looking at my life and reflecting and et cetera. And I finally said, you know what? I can sell 50 of these things a month somehow. Hmm. I didn't know how, but so I started making prototypes and sending them out to friends. And the feedback I was getting was the same feedback that I had. And little did I know, um, I did a Kickstarter in 2012. yeah, And, you know, we, we had really great success then. And it was um, because it was a new product and a new market that, um, that allows pizza at, people at home to make literally like legendary pizza in a home environment. It's been incredible ever since. So, you know, here we are five years later, uh, six years later, I've spun off this product and the brand from my family business and we're called the Baking Steel Company now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, my family still makes these for us, which is great. Um, Mm -hmm. And I am the the guy that kind of helps people make pizza at home. That's (laughs) kind of my story. Amazing.
0: It's, It's really is amazing. I, my, so, when everything started and, you know, businesses started to shut down, it's it's so funny. I, I went back and I'm sitting in the studio that we have rented in this old industrial factory here in Syracuse, just outside of downtown that back way back in the day was an actual industrial factory. And oh, cool. Yeah, it's actually it's a second generation owner. So the current owner of the studio now is maybe in his late 70s and uh, wow. his, his dad is the one that built this building and hey, that's uh, amazing it's really amazing in the 70s they turned it into like kind of an artistic studio community and um, so I'm sitting in our space now typically our podcast is only ever done uh, in person and You know, I'm a Gary V fanatic, and so everything is set up with four cameras, and we're pulling (laughs) clips and video, you know, so my life is... I love it. Yeah. And um, I was editing, usually we we bank these, so we record, you know, four or five uh, in a row and then schedule them for the month. So I was editing one of them uh, just about a week or so ago that I recorded the day that New York State put in place a restaurants have to go to half capacity order
1: okay oh boy okay so
0: it was the first day of that it was actually the day that we were supposed to have the st patrick's day parade and that was canceled and i was oh boy yeah exactly so i'm sitting uh in the i'm here in the studio recording a podcast with a guest who owns a local chocolate company and he and i are sitting here talking about you know, this will probably be over in two weeks. It won't be that big of a deal. Everything's going to go back to normal. You know, and here we are, uh, a month and a half later, and things still haven't changed. Uh, if anything, they've gotten a little worse. But it's just funny to yeah. like go back and think about things that happened. You know, when when something like this started, and um, we always hear stories about how when out of like a recession or really tough times economically, how people have these great ideas that are birthed and they wind up starting something completely new and different. And it kind of propels them into this new place in their life. And I'm, I love the fact that for you that started with you kind of not being really happy where you were and making a decision to do more yoga, get healthy, start writing. And the, kind of baking steel was in a sense birthed back in those moments of you just kind of getting yourself right in your head in this different space. Uh, I just love, yeah, I love that, that it wasn't like uh, I wasn't happy. And all of a sudden I had this dream of this baking steel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, there's so much to it. And there was like, you know, it's my life whole life experiences and, and things that I was doing. You know, I, I was happy working in a family business because I was surrounded by people that I loved and et cetera. Um, but what I wasn't happy with was my trajectory is like, I didn't want to look. And I, by the way, this was probably, I'm in my, you know, early forties. And I'm like, oh man, I, is, what does my life look like when I'm 65? Is this mm-hmm. what I'm going to be doing? Am I going to be happy with like that? And I just, I remember when I was in my twenties, how excited I was to be working in the restaurant business, et cetera. Then mm-hmm. you get married and, you have a family and you have a steady paycheck and i have a good i made a good living with my family mm-hmm. um i had a beautiful house and that's tough man to yeah. try to like to try to one to stop getting paid <laughs> a regular paycheck was like uh-oh <laughs> um so there's a lot of factors coming in and like yeah. am i stuck in this life right mm-hmm. and i have got a kid and etc but then I was like you know what um that was the wrong way to think, right? I, get, I think yoga and, and help me kind of brain dumping on a daily basis mm-hmm. of what I wanted to do um, really helped clear my head. Um, so, and that's, that, I mean, I'm so grateful. I, was, I mean, obviously, I, I had this great idea that I read the moment and I tried it. It was literally, I want to say, nine months before I started making prototypes, hmm. Um because I was nervous and scared. Yeah. Also, now okay, now I've got this great idea. I've got actually I'm super lucky and I'm super grateful. I had a million dollars worth of equipment that I could produce my prototypes. Wow. But so talk about, you know, an easier path. I yeah. didn't have to go to company XYZ and say, Hey, make some of these for me. Mm-hmm. I could make them myself. Um and I had guys that could help me do that. So That was, even with that, I was still horrified. (laughs) I was like, I didn't want to take that step, that leap, um, (laughs) for the fear of that, what if people don't like this thing? Um, And so that was a, and and by the way, the baking steel is my, the original, which is still our most popular, is 15 pounds. Yeah. Um, So in any case, it became... um, it, it, I'm so happy that I took that leap.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I remember, man. I remember driving to work on the Kickstarter days, and I knew, <laughs> if you know, guys, most people are familiar with how Kickstarter works. Now you got to hit a certain threshold to be on there forever. My goal, this will give you how much confidence I had, um, was three thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a wimpy goal, right? I literally it was three thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, that's how much confidence I had. Like I was like teetering <laughs> all it would have taken you could have blown me over if you said this sucks <laughs> you know <laughs> so i was teetering with my confidence but i in any case driving to work that day i figured i could get a few people to buy it some friends yeah but this is you know before i didn't know anything about you know um the the word of mouth marketing much i was coming from a more of a corporate world and so i emailed everybody i knew <laughs> from old girlfriends to you know <laughs> old girlfriends parents <laughs> you know, my, my high school buddies and said, Hey, here's my, this kickstar. we had a cool video. Love it. If you guys would contribute, you know, 60 bucks to, to buy one. Yeah. Um, and we literally hit, um, my $3,000 goal in, in 24 hours. And I was like blown away by that. That's amazing. It, it was, yeah. And it was like, again, it's $3,000 today. They do that in an hour, you right. know, but, um, at the time I was like, holy shit. And then, and then we, we both know our friend, Kenji, yeah. um, Sirius Eats. He had asked me three weeks in if he could test one out. Hmm. Um, at the time, we had about $17,000 raised, and we maybe sold 200 units. And I was like, oh, this is awesome, but what if he doesn't like it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I also knew his writing, and he was a beautiful writer and fair and honest. Yeah. Um, so I obviously sent him one, and he loved it. And. He championed this product from the get-go, which was unbelievable. So we basically doubled our campaign, and we in like two days from his approval. And so, um, and still, he still today loves the product. It's a basic product; it works really well. It just evens out the heat in your oven and makes things beautiful. Right. Um, Pizza just happens to be one of those products at 500 degrees on steel. That just works beautifully. And the science is that it just transfers that energy so fast at 500 degrees. It almost e- equals what a wood-fired oven can do at 700 degrees.
2: Hmm.
1: So it, at home, you're making pizza in literally like you know four, three to four minutes. Yeah. And beautiful pizzas, by the way.
0: I, so I found—I'm going to say this, and I want to ask a question back about when you were getting—back in 2008 for you that you mentioned. But I want to tell you how I found the baking steel. Oh, great. I had made a pizza. So when everything started, uh, my wife and I, Rebecca, were we're usually because, you know, I am promoting local restaurants and we're the biggest Instagrammer of like local food promoters in Syracuse. Uh, which isn't saying much, but it's saying something, and so we're I'm constantly going out to eat as a result of that and we were probably i mean lunch is is out at a restaurant four days a week dinner three to four days four three to four times a week it's just we were going out to restaurants very very frequently um and surprisingly that all changed when this happened, and I'm really grateful it did because as somebody who's, um, I don't want to consider myself an entrepreneur, but somebody who's running a business and working a full-time job. And I, I'm the type of person, uh, you know, we were talking before uh, the conversation about uh, the business and is it profitable and all that kind of stuff. And every profitable dollar that we get into the business, we spend on equipment to be able to then, to then offer something new to one of our restaurant members or clients. So, Amazing. you That's know, great idea. Yeah. Right. So we can do any podcast or video or photography that um, we can, and we do all that for restaurants for free. Um, you know, wow. But, yeah. They just have to ask. And so, um, so I say all that to say when all this started, you would think that we would just be kind of like ordering takeout all the time, but instead, for some reason, we uh, decided to, Cook at home a lot more often i 'm not a good cook wow. um, sure. okay. you know there's like really basic things. Um, I once did a whole summer of nothing but uh eggs, chicken, and potatoes, and I absolutely loved <laughs> I it I love it uh, and, uh-huh. yeah p b r was also included in there a few nights, but I absolutely loved it on the at the, our, our uh, old lake house and uh, so i'm not a great cook, but for some reason when all this started, I was like all right I, we're just going to start cooking a lot more at home. And um, let's see if I can make a pizza. So I first started searching for sheet pan pizzas because I didn't have a pizza stone. Um, I didn't know another way to really do a pizza. My dad, who used to back in the late seventies, early eighties, he was the um, uh, he ran the very first ever franchised pizzeria Uno in Washington D.C. and Wow! And still has those pizza pans from. That restaurant that they still have at their house today—that's um, incredible. I know he. Yeah. yeah. Have
1: you seen them? Have you used them?
0: Oh, I've never used them. And my dad. I, oh man, it's been a long time since he's made um, a deep dish pizza. But I remember as a kid growing up, there'd be these. There'd be really two special moments besides holidays. Two special moments <laughs> when dad would cook. One of them was would be when he would make his deep dish pizza. The other one, he made this incredible. Uh, egg sandwich with fresh sliced tomatoes on white toast for breakfast these like random mornings and as simple as that sounds it was just this amazing like breakfast sandwich just eggs and toast and bacon and then tomato it was just so good wow Uh, but he used to crush a deep dish pizza and he still has those pans so, wow. I should have asked him for one of those pans. Maybe we maybe it's a good thing I didn't because we wouldn't be talking if I had gone the deep dish route. But um, <laughs> um, so I bought a pizza stone. Yep. You, uh found some recipes. I found your YouTube videos of some of the pizza recipes. Oh, cool. And I was like, okay, I was like looking for a bunch of different dough recipes. Uh, after my fourth time of using the pizza stone, it, it broke. It cracked. Oh geez, I you, you tried the broiler method, it. sort of. Sorry, yeah. Right. <laughs> and that led, me, and that led me to finding. Um, oddly enough, I went to Serious Eats, found Kenji's stuff on like how to make a pizza. I was looking at backyard pizza ovens and da 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 da. And then I found his um, uh, article on the on the pe- uh, baking steel and wow. bought it. And now everything's different
1: amazing. So that's, that's how I, yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, that's how I found out about you. I love the book that you send in the package with the recipes. And I mean, it's, you're just, you you guys are really doing a great job with your, um, education that goes along with the product to really bring people yeah. into the fold Thank of the you. baking yeah. steel.
1: That's kind of, you know, it's funny way we talked too about, you know, Gary Vee a little bit. Um, I read his book, I think part of my resurgence and confidence in that year that I was kind of thinking about things. I found, I think I found his book. Okay. Crush it. It was called. Yeah. And I just remember reading that and it just hit home, hmm. um, with what, um, I remember there's one chapter a couple of different chapters that really ring a bell, but the one that he just talked about, I don't care if you sell Smurfs, <laughs> sell Smurfs, just know everything about them. Yeah. And you know, hmm. people will come and I knew pizza was a larger audience than, than Smurfs. Um, my whole thing has always been about educating, and I, you know, that with my experience too, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, I still have people contact me on Instagram, say, you know, what do you do? Do you have a pizza restaurant? Like, what is your deal? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, to a fault, I almost don't do, you know, I do all this what, we, what he calls the jabbing. I don't do the you know the knockout punch about yeah. sales. But my whole thing has always been about educating, and and you know, sharing recipes is always. A great thing to do because I feel as though if you can make a good dough at home and you use our product in your home oven, yeah. then you're literally making pizza that is equal to the best places out there um, in a home environment, which is exciting.
0: There's so many things I love, even just you saying that about your business. And I want to go back, to, though, just to one thing because it's going to bother me if I don't ask. So I love it. When you were talking about when you were kind of getting back into yoga and reading. And writing, were, I'm just curious, were you writing, uh, like, um, short stories, nonfiction things for yourself? Were you just journaling? Like, what was that? Because I, there's such a... That's a great question. I feel like business today, it's really challenging if you're starting a business to get to um, not fall into the step A, step B, step C. Like, if you do a and B and C and D in this order. And if you run this Google ad and it's so like systematic of follow these exact steps and you will be successful that there's such an art to running a business and marketing and developing a product and customer service. These are really artistic things that I feel like it's easy to get away from and just follow this really systematic approach of step A, B, C, D, E. Um, So I'm just curious as to what you were writing during that time.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. I was, there was a, a book, I'm going to get the name wrong, but it was called The Artist's Way.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and it was really about just kind of brain dumping, meaning, like, I wanted to, I would just get up and, and write about things that might be on the top of my head, things that might be future, you know, literally about anything, about mm. watching my kids play sports, mm. about um, just brain dumping, meaning, I would literally just get up. And I would journal. I think it was I would do like two or three uh, long form writing on a on pencil to paper. Yeah. And just do that. And I did. And I still do it, not as consistently as I was back then. Yeah. Um, there was no goal in mind. Hmm. It was just more my life experience at the time, like you know things I'm not happy with. At the time, I was I I drank a little bit too much wine, so I would write about that. Like, hmm. I, geez, I. I don't like this about myself, you know, these type of things that um, I don't exercise enough or, you know, good job or I'm not I'm not kind enough. Just things that would be at the top of my head, I would just get them all out. And I still do that today, by the way, if I'm unhappy with something or or if I'm happy with something or something is just bothering me, it just helps to get it down. And then I never I I, even today, I've never once gone back and looked at through those journals, not once. (laughs) But it was just more, um, and how good I feel after a session by myself, you know, it just would feel good. Yeah. Um, but I just wasn't happy with my trajectory of my life, you know, a, a middle-aged guy making a pretty good living on the, on the surface, looks like he's a, and I'm a happy guy too. Yeah, I'm not going to be, you know, I wasn't, I'm not complaining about anything I was doing. I just wasn't, I, I just felt like I was... Really, and I still today, by the way, feel like I'm holding back. I got to let it, you got to let it go. Just be, do all you can to make yourself better in every way, every single day. Yeah. Um, so I, grateful that you're taking saying, that leap.
0: You saying that you haven't looked back on him reminds me of there's a author, um, his name is Donald Miller. Uh, t- okay. Today, he's kind of, uh, well, he started out years and years ago as a, um, uh, this always sounds bad whenever I say it. A Christian nonfiction author. He's like a three times over New York Times bestselling author with his books. Um, maybe his most famous was a book called Blue Like Jazz, which the subtitle is um, Non Religious Thoughts on Christian Spirituality. <laughs> and,
2: Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: Uh, and he's such a, he really is such an amazing author. But for, he, Uh, long, long story short, he wound up researching like the elements of story and doing years of research on what makes story work and Mm talking, talking about how there's like maybe three or four different types of stories that really exist. They all just kind of follow the same, you know, put here sort of a thing. And then obviously their artistic approach to it. Um, now today he has a company called story brand, which is, um, uh, oh, I've heard of this, I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it really is such an amazing approach to marketing and advertising for your business because it's you know, it just strips away all of this kind of um uh, fluff that no one cares about anyways. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> you know? good point. Um, but he has this thing that he, he does every year and he goes away. I think at the beginning of the year, he'll go rent a cabin in the woods. He'll go by himself. He'll bring uh, him and his dog and he'll bring a new journal with him, a brand new moleskin. And he'll sit, he'll be there for maybe a weekend or, you know, maybe a short week. And part of what he does is he just sits and thinks and, you know, discovers the goals that he's going to set for that year. He'll write those three, four or five goals down in this notebook and maybe journal a little bit about each one. And then he closes it up and he puts it on a shelf and he never opens it for the rest of the year. Okay. And he has this theory that at the end of the year, if you do this at the end of the year, you will have completed those things don't ever, yeah, don't like, like, it's not, you know, you put them, but you memorize them, and you focus on them every single day, you just take this time to realize what you want to do that year, what you want to accomplish, write it down, put it on a shelf, and somehow, some way, you will just do those things.
1: Yeah, it's like you're kind of living in, you're living in that, you're living that life before you actually do it, which is a big part of visualization and, and all of that. I strongly believe in that stuff. Yeah, It's humongous for mindset and, you know, cause believe me, um, no one else is going to tell you, you can do it. Right. <laughs> no yeah. one, zero. In fact, you might find people detracting and trying to hold you back from doing it. Um, hmm. so you've got to be strong mentally and, and healthy and all of those things because it takes, it takes a lot and you get beat up a lot as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, it's scary as shit. I mean, it's, uh, it's a tough lifestyle, but it's rewarding too. I mean, you get to wake up every day and do what you love to do and hopefully hopefully you surround yourself with good people too. That's going to be important um, yeah. to have a good team around you.
0: This makes sense now talking with you and knowing kind of your approach to things um, or your mindset, especially in the early days. It really makes sense because I have zero patience and so if I have an idea for a new product or a business or whatever the case may be, I want it. I if I have the thought, I want to have that thing fully realized, opened out to the public uh, by tomorrow. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and to know that you had this idea that you had been prototyping it that had still taken so, you know, what was it, 16 months um, mm-hmm. to really get things going with it, it makes so much sense now. Um, listening to your thought process in those early days of why you took so much time to do that um, and you know arguably that is you know to the success of the company
1: yeah there was yeah there was some fear there too um, there was I was, happy with, I was really happy to have Kickstarter because that kind of, it's kind of, you got to set a date. You got to do all the work. Yeah. But then you got to set a date. If I didn't have that, then like, what do you do? In fact, I almost didn't do Kickstarter. I almost just started selling this thing on my own, like, which mm. would have been, Ken, well, Kenji may have heard about it. It just may have been longer, you know, yeah. taking a little bit longer to do it. So I'm happy that I took that approach. Um, I think so many of us want things to be so perfect. Mm-hmm. Before they launch a, an idea or a product, that they way overthink it mm-hmm. and never do it. Um, and that's a shame, too, because you want to, it doesn't need to be perfect. Just go and do, you know? And yeah. um, I'm a lot more confident now that if I launch something and it doesn't do well, or, you know, it, it happens every week. You put blog posts up, right, on mm-hmm. recipes, and some of, them are, some of them are great and some of them suck. You know, <laughs> so it's like something, sometimes I think it's going to be great. The response and it, it's terrible or vice versa. But yeah. I'm not afraid to do now. Like I'm just you know content. Just put content out um, and think it through. Use your intuition, right? But yeah. think it through a little bit. But you got to trust yourself and then he's going to do it and see see what happens too. And I think so many of us, including myself, were just kind of stuck, or frozen in fear mm-hmm. of not doing anything, which is not the right answer yeah. at all. So and the same thing with you know. A business, you know. I spun this off for my family business, by the way, in April first, two thousand eighteen. I, I know the date. It took a mm-hmm. while to kind of iron that thing out with my family mm-hmm. and get it so everyone's like, you know, to make it to make um, make everyone happy in that situation. And we figured it out and got it done. Mm-hmm. And it was um, April first, two thousand eighteen. But that that date came up on me kind of suddenly, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Well, guess what? The first thing I did, I remember it was Easter Sunday. I quit drinking alcohol wow. like on April 1st, 2018. Um, and that was a conscious decision. I'm like, because now I'm, okay, I've got the, a little history of the product, but I'm on, literally on my own now. So if anything happens, it's all on me. Hmm. Um, and I didn't want any excuses. So it kind of comes back to that health thing again. Whereas I thought I drank, and I know I did, I drank too much wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said to myself, like, I don't want any excuses huh. that this thing's not going to succeed. So I took it, you know, I was, whatever, I think I was 50 years old or turning 50 years old. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> quit drinking. Um, cold turkey, kind of. And I, you know, I read some books, etc. It wasn't like I thought this is the time, and I still haven't had a drink since that day. And you know, our business is good. I can, I can pivot now. I'm healthy. I've got no excuses, right? I'm ready to um, do what I need to do to make the brand successful. Yeah. And I didn't want anything holding me back. And you know, I still have obviously still have things I'm trying to improve every day. But that one for me was a big one, um, a big hurdle. That's amazing that I had to get over. So yeah, it feels great.
0: Yeah. So up until 2018 then the baking steel was kind of just a a product that a you're D- i'm yeah, sorry it was a dba yeah okay cool
1: a dba we kind of ran under its own brand um but it it was under the Stoughton steel which was my family business yeah business right it was a gotcha. separate product but um yeah we had a Right, exactly. So we had a we had to separate it anyway, but yeah. like it finally it finally you know happened and that's cool. Um, so they like, well, yeah, it's great. Yeah, really happy with that decision.
0: So uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm just curious as to your approach to things today. I mean, obviously, I, I would consider you. I don't know your financials or your sales of the products, but I would consider mm-hmm. you to be a successful business. Um, I mean, it, obviously, I think it's it's you know massive to have someone like Kenji uh not only know about your product but then uh ask for one to test it out and then obviously write about it and um it's a such a for people who know food and or in the culinary mm. world, that is, you know, maybe the stamp of approval uh when it comes yeah, to I totally
1: agree. Yeah.
0: A gadget or a product for your kitchen yeah. and for cooking. Um Yeah,
1: amazing. Yeah, he's he's incredible. He's you're right. He's you couldn't ask, you couldn't hand pick a better person.
0: Right, exactly. And this is
1: back in 2012, by the way, before people were getting paid for these endorsements, <laughs> you know? And he never got paid for our endorsement. He just really loved the product. That's amazing. Gratefully, yeah.
0: Yeah. So today are you, I mean, you do so much in the way of content. You have such a great approach to, I mean, not only accessibility, um, of people being able to communicate with you on Instagram, and you have such a great connection with that, of sharing mm-hmm people's stories that they're posting using your product it really connects people i mean i've I can't tell you the amount of people and especially for our audience on eat local c m y the times I've posted the pizza but the people that I've told about the baking steel um mm-hmm. and I think it really just kind of comes back to the fact that you have that approach on your social- on your instagram account and that connection with people but in terms of like yeah. and I know you already mentioned. You're doing a lot of jabbing and not really a lot of those right hook punches, which I absolutely love. And I hope that my boss is listening to this because <laughs> uh, I've used that analogy quite a few times. Um, okay. but are you doing a lot of other marketing? Are you running a lot of Google ads or paid Facebook ads or anything like that? Or are you just really riding that kind of brand wave?
1: Kind of really riding, you know. I I guess a lot of the marketing we do is I I we do. Um, I do give a lot of product away Mm -hmm. to influencers or people that, you know, have an influence. Um, and I do, I do a little bit of Google ad stuff, you know, since this thing started, um, this whole pandemic in in March, you know, I've I've kind of tripled down. I realized people were home. So I'd be doing a lot more, um, Instagramming and, but, but always, and I, I guess it comes back down to, you know, I remember. Um, as far as marketing goes, like the market, I think Gary B had a great, I think it was like chapter seven of crush it. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is gonna be the most important, um, marketing, um, chapter you've ever read. And there Mm -hmm. was one word and it just hit home with me and it's care, C A R E. Hmm. Um, and that's my marketing. So my marketing is care and totally makes sense. So in other words, I get back and I'm not a hundred percent but a hundred percent, I think I am on my emails. I am a hundred percent on, you know, comments or direct messages on Instagram. And mm-hmm. I'm doing all of that. And our audience wow. is growing. And some mornings I get up and I uh Oh, the math isn't working too well here. But, um, you know, we even, you know, we paused, we paused, um, during this, um, pandemic, but we write thank you notes to, I handwrite thank you notes to every single customer.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: that we have. And it's like old school. You know, it's like scale the unscalable. Yeah. Do things that no one else is doing because those things are important. And yeah, we, technically, you buy my product and that's it. Like, you're not coming back. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe you'll buy two or you'll, pay, you know, buy as a gift. But, you know, we love that. We, we love this product. We're super passionate about it. And so, yeah, we're just, Old school. You know, I'm, I'm a bit older, um, and I love social media. I mm-hmm. think it's incredible. Yeah. But doing those things that care, and I really do care about, you know, that you can't make dough. You, you suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I can help you. I know I can. Yeah. So that's really important to me, and I want to see you. i got a guy over in India trying to make pizza dough, and like he doesn't have my product. Yeah. He may never have my product, but I, if I can help him make pizza dough – He'll remember that, you know, so those kind of things, those little things, no sales associated with that, by the way. Yeah. But, um, I know that
0: it's so funny you say that. Cause I saw one of the, before I bought the, the baking steel, I ran across your video and, uh, on YouTube about one of the pizza dough recipes and, I remember watching it and never hearing or seeing anything that was like, by the way, go buy our baking steel at this web address (laughs) or link in the bio or anything like that. And then I, so I, I didn't go buy it. And you know, I, (laughs) I, and then I found myself a week and a half later purchasing one because my stone didn't work out. And I remember when I bought it, I saw your picture on the website and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I saw that guy's YouTube video. And I immediately thought to myself, well, I wonder why they didn't try and sell their product in the video. That seems kind of silly talking with you now. This makes one complete sense. And, um, Hmm. I'm finding myself very inspired by the entire, uh, by your entire approach to things. And thank you. No,
1: it's great. It's a slow approach, right? It's like not, not going to do it overnight. It just, I think it works because we're getting sales. We're a profitable business. Yeah. Um, a couple of years into it, um, Obviously, this is scary times for everybody, but, you know, we feel everyone's home making pizzas right now, so we can help them. Yeah. Um, so we've got a great product to do that.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely great. Well, Andres, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I, I, I can't tell you how much it means to uh, me, and I can't wait to get this blasted out to our audience, and um, there's definitely, I'm sure, a couple pizza shop owners that I've been DMing about their recipes for dough before I ran across you that I'm sure are going to be very excited to hear this. Um, this oh, conversation. I love it. It's great. Yeah.
1: I think it's amazing and so happy to um, to hear that. And Anything I can do to help you guys, please, you know, reach out anytime. Yeah. Can't wait to share this with our audience too. And, you know, hopefully we get the chance to, to meet up.
0: Well, that's it for this week's episode, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then consider subscribing to the podcast on the platform that allows that, which I think is iTunes. Uh, but anyways, subscribe to the podcast. It just means that the moment a new episode drops, that you're going to be the first to know about it. And do me another big favor. This one means a lot. Leave a review. Let me know what you think of the Eat Local CMY podcast. You can follow us online at EatLocalCMY.com or on social media. Any of them pretty much at Eat Local CNY. Thank you so much. We're going to catch you at the next episode.
3: Is your heart just taking all of the time? You've gone so far, but they know inside. I know how it feels to be lonesome. been most of my days having no one, dreaming you were out there shining in the sun, lonely soul hoping that they find some. Lonely soul, hoping that they find someone. Baby, I hope that I find you.